Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Today, I want to go on in part three of where I began a couple weeks ago, and we're talking about spiritual mountaineering. We're talking about your, your assignment specifically, that every one of us has an assignment and uh, that you need to know it, believe it, and then achieve it. Before you can achieve it, you got to believe it. Before you can believe it, you got to know it. So all those things are so important. And then uh, we've already talked about the first few slides here where John on the Isle of Patmos received the call, even in his 80s, to come up higher, to come up to the mountain, and that he would show him what must happen. We preached that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about the enemy's assignment is always to stop people from your assignment. His assignment is to stop you from getting to your assignment. We talked about how that he likes to distract us, divert us, destroy us. He'll throw everything he can in front of you. I talked to you about some of my life and my experience. By the way, I went to uh, the courthouse Monday filed a motion, and, um, and I was leaving because I told you last week when I, you know, when I left, I, I, didn't, I knew I was, I was in the clear and everything, but I, then I was angry at the way the enemy had you know, used it to, to like just distract me and, and uh, try to divert me and, and try to aggravate me. And then, so I, you know, and I get over there, they apologize, so oh, we're so sorry, and I said, I appreciate that, but I want my money back. And uh, then I left, you know, and I told you that last week, and I was getting the 200 because we're going to use $250 because I was going to use it, we're going to use it to bless somebody. And um, then I was leaving, and I said, you know, Lord, your word says that we get double for our trouble. So without saying anything, I, I said, I want, I want another 250 on top of it, you know, and... Um, and yesterday, somebody walked up and handed me, guess how much money? $250. And I'm like, man, I should have said sevenfold, right? Because I think there's a verse somewhere in there about sevenfold, or I'll, I'll write it, I don't know. But anyway, that's just how God works, especially when he knows, you know, I, I, I didn't want that for me. I, I just wanted it. Because I'm fighting for the principle and the truth, and I'm going to make the devil sorry he ever messed with me. I mean, that's just my attitude. You know, when the devil comes against you, you're, you know, to distract you, it should get you greater focus. When the devil comes to divert you, it should cause you to reassess where you're at and reaffirm your commitment to get to your destination. And when he comes to destroy, you recognize that the devil has no power that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, amen? And that if anybody's going down, it's him. <laughs> so anyway, that we talked about all that last week. And today I want to talk to you about something else. <laughs> so here we go. I want to give you God's plan. So here was the enemy's plan to distract, divert, destroy. I want to give you God's plan in, in a few simple points here. And then get into this. God gives us a sense of what we were put here for very early. 
In other words, when you're, when you're young, you have such a sensitivity to the things of God, I believe. In fact, statistically, we can even prove out that, that the people who come to Jesus typically come to Jesus very early. That the, the statistically, after, after the age of, of uh, 25, that the, the statistical uh, odds of coming to Jesus get far and far less now, I'm not, we don't work by odds, but I'm just saying that when you're young, you have a sensitivity to the things of God. And, uh, and God, I believe, puts in your heart at a very early age that you are put here for a purpose. Now, God loves to, to release us into that in our youth. And we can bear this out in Scripture because you read stories. The stories that we all love in the Bible are all, all of them you know, generally start with, with somebody who's uh, the, the most inspiring ones are with, when God starts with somebody in their youth, Daniel, and the lion's den. He was just a teenager. David and Goliath, 15 years old. Jeremiah, when he was a child, called by God and knew the call on his life. Samuel, two years old, brought to the temple. Are you following me? That doesn't eliminate us old people because, you know, I could give you other side of this too. You know, Moses was 80 years old when he came into his full calling because he, you know, he had, he, he had to go through a process and Joshua and Caleb were 80 when they took their mountain. So God doesn't disqualify us just because we're getting up there in our age. But I believe that it's clear from the very beginning, in fact, we could go to Moses even though it was 80 when he came into his his real calling, I believe we could see the, the signs and the calling of God on his life when he was put in as a, as a baby in a little ark of bulrushes and floated into the river. I don't think that was happenstance. It was God's hand on that young man's life. Would you say amen to that? And so God puts us in this in our youth. It's why it's important to, to help introduce young people to their potential, their calling. That there's no junior Holy Ghost. There's no junior calling. There's no junior assignment that when you're 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, God sets something in your heart and he draws it out and, and you can... You can, you can accept it and make time work for you, or you can end up wasting a lot of time, as we see also bore out in Scripture when, when people run from their calling. Hello. So I believe God loves us, and he loves to release this to us in our youth. Uh, I was told, I don't remember this personally, but my parents told me that when I was seven years old and people would ask me, they'd say, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, most seven-year-olds say, I want to be a fireman or I want to be um, whatever, a policeman or, or something like that. Uh, that. They said I would go around and say, I want to be a preacher, which was really interesting to me because I didn't hang around preachers when I was a kid because my, my family was heathens. Hello, I don't know about your family, but my family in my young days were heathens. And so, listen to this statement here. We make the mistake of thinking that this calling and this accepting of our assignment only comes years after trial and error. 
I don't believe that God designs it that way. I just believe we make it that way because we are hard to reach sometimes. And sometimes you have to, you have to get to the bottom before you will even look up. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for you not to, you know, I've heard this philosophy in the church when I first got saved and did come into the church, and people would tell me, they say, you know, it's, it's got to be that young people have to sow their wild oats before they can be used by God. The devil's a liar. You do not have to sow all your wild oats when you're a young person. When you're a young person, you can, you can submit and surrender to God like David did and step into your calling from the, from the youth. When he was 12, 12 years old, he went out and began to, to shepherd the flocks of his father. And there he learned about God, worshiping God on the backside of the wilderness, leading his flock. There he learned to overcome the challenge in front of him as leading a little flock. He faced a lion. He faced a bear. All of that, you say, well, why would he have to do all that? Because it was all a divine setup for one day when he would walk into a field of battle and there the man who had been given the assignment by God to defeat the Philistines was hiding in his tent and David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should withstand the army of God and a 15 year old boy stepped out and did what a man should have done and God brought triumph to Israel that day because a 15 year old realized he had a date with destiny. That's good preaching right there. Because I know some of y'all 30 years old and you're still trying to figure it out. You're still trying to figure it out. Why are you trying to figure it out? Because you've been a little stubborn. And the enemy's tried to hurt you in, in the journey too. See, because in his attack, in his plan, if he can distract, divert, destroy, get you wounded, get you hurt, get you, get you set aside, you will disqualify yourself. God could never use me. Look, I've messed up here. I'm unworthy. I'm a failure. Can I just tell you that there's a huge, listen, you're talking to a guy who, who has helped. I could write a book on failure. I have a podcast called Finishing Strong. Do you know why I have a podcast called Finishing Strong? Because I have, I have so much experience in, in being weak. that now God is using my weakness I understand all that but can I just tell you something there's a huge difference between failing and looking at yourself as a failure you can fail and say yep I blew it and not accept the label of I am a failure. Because once you buy into the idea that I am a failure, you saddle yourself with an identity that will trail you through everything you do. 
And so rather than venture up the mountain, guess what you're going to tell yourself? I can't climb this mountain. Why can't you? Because I am a failure. Can I tell you Jesus came to this earth? Think about how he came to this earth in such weakness. Why was he not introduced as a king on a stallion riding into a city with a sword in his hand and a fire in his eyes and everybody said, look, it's Jesus. How did Jesus come? He came born of a virgin as a little baby the ultimate weakness because tell me what can babies do for themselves you even got to change their diapers oh Jesus never did that Jesus didn't, he can't understand, he can't even begin to understand what I'm going through. Jesus walked into this world as a weak, lowly child, born under humble circumstances to a very humble family. Are you with me? In Luke chapter 2, you read the story of the angel overshadowing Mary and saying, that which is born of thee is from the Most High. Because, listen, God's answer to every situation in your life is to birth Jesus into your darkness and your hopelessness. And I don't care whether you're a man or a woman this morning, it's not related to your gender, the answer to your situation is God wants to impregnate you with his promise. He wants to release to you your assignment. I, do we not understand that Jesus was born under the assignment of the Father? Now, from the time Jesus was born until until he was 12 years old, there is really nothing in the Bible written about the life of Jesus. Because there was nothing really remarkable. He acted like any child. It might have been a little di different dynamic, you know, being Jesus and, and the parents, you know, he had brothers, and James, and I'm sure, it, do you think Jesus showed, got, showed a little favoritism? How many of you had a brother or sister and you felt they got treated better than you did? Well, I think everybody feels that way. Isn't it funny how, you know, I, they loved you better. No, they loved you better. Everybody feels like they're, they're cheated somehow. But I'm sure, can you imagine James complaining to Mary and Joseph saying, you never spanked Jesus, you think he's perfect. Well, son, he is perfect. Shut up or I'll spank you. And so all of this goes on. We don't know anything because it's not remarkable. But then at the age of 12 years old, Jesus shows just where he's at in his life and his development. Because they go up to Jerusalem. I want, I want you to read this with me. 
Uh, it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, 43. I'm reading this. I think this is in the Passion Translation. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to worship at Jerusalem during the Passover festival. And when Jesus turned 12, 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover as was their custom. They, go, they went every year because that was what the, the devoted Jews did. They went once a year at the time of the Passover and they celebrated because you had to come to Jerusalem and offer up the proper sacrifice on that Passover, which was so important that that lamb that you presented, remember it goes all the way back to Moses when Moses said, get you a lamb, every house for a lamb, every lamb for a house, gave them specific instructions. This is still, this was carried on for centuries in the Jewish faith and his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, as was their custom. It was a custom thing. It was, but, and it had become, I guess it had become a religious act, a religious habit. And, um, and so they, they fulfilled their custom. And what they didn't realize is that Jesus was going to turn this whole Passover and the celebration of it into a New Testament reality because Jesus was, in fact, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. So Jesus gets there at 12 years old, and a full day after they began their journey home, <laughs> this is funny to me, I, I, I just read this always and I just laugh, and, and it's a full day, they're walking a full day, probably 17, 20 miles a day they would walk. And they're getting back to home in a full day journey, they realized that Jesus was missing. Hey, Joseph, where's Jesus? You seen him? I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. I thought he was with the family. They go, re they go through the whole crowd. They, they traveled as a caravan. They traveled as a family. They traveled among many people. And they're going through there, and suddenly they panic, panic because they realize Jesus is missing. Can I submit to you this morning that many of you in your journey have come right to this point in your life and everything you have been through has meant to awaken you to the fact that there's something been missing in your life. The greatest revelation I ever had was when God showed me my emptiness. Because then out of my emptiness, I re realized the answer was fullness. But I didn't even know Jesus was missing. And so in this caravan, they traveled a full day. Then they realized Jesus is missing. Now get this. The, um, they had assumed he was somewhere in their entourage. I just assumed Jesus is with me somewhere. I mean, I've been raised in church. <laughs> I've been around this my whole life. I just assume he's with me here somewhere. But he was nowhere to be found. And after a frantic search among relatives and friends, 
Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him because that's what you do when you lose something. Go back to the last place you saw it. Which meant they had to go all the way back a full day's journey with a little, probably a little bit of a, something in their step because now Mary's panicked like any mother. I have got those calls here at the church. Can you, can you I, where parents thought their child, I'm not going to call out anybody in particular, but I have gotten those calls where, hey, is, is uh, so-and-so here? And, and he's standing right here because we noticed there's no parents around. And I'm, I, like, I don't know, I love to torment people a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, well, no, no, what's the matter? Well, we took separate cars. And I thought he was with, and he thought he was with, and he's not here! <laughs> and I'm like, calm down, he's right here. Would you hold him for a minute? I'll be right there. That's what Mary's feeling. And they panic and they go back and they, they after being separated now for three days, they finally find him in the temple, sitting among the Jewish teachers, listening to them and asking questions. I don't know why that's goofed up, but it says, all who heard Jesus speak were astounded at his intelligent understanding of all that was being talked about. So Jesus is 12 years old, sitting in the temple, having an intelligent discussion with these rabbis, asking them intelligent questions, and I'm sure that he was probably getting asked some questions like, where did you learn that? But like Julie read in the, in, the, in the transition here, he was the living word made flesh and dwelt among us. And the very one whom you are teaching from oral tradition, now that living word is sitting right in their midst. And it's carrying on a conversation with them and they find him in the temple. And of course, like good parents do, they act all you know, holy and composed. And they go, oh yeah, this is what my son does. And... And, and everything, and then they walk him out the building, and I can see her like having a conniption. Oh, oh yeah, well, let's read it. I know, you, you know, his parents were shocked to find him there, and Mary scolded him. She scolded Jesus. And Jesus is like, he's, he's not, you know, he's, he's cool. He's just, he's just rolling with it. Mary scolded him, saying, son, your father and I have searched for you everywhere. Can you see, can you picture this conversation? I, w I would love to go home with some of y'all after church on Sundays. It'd be fun. I'd actually like to get it on video. 
son, your father and I have searched for you everywhere. We have been worried sick over finding you, over not finding you. Why would you do this to us? See, they, they took this personal, like, like you, are, you trying to, are you trying to make me mad? Are you trying to get on my last nerve, boy? Are you trying to get me? What are you doing? I mean, come on, let's get real. She was a real parent. And she was having a real meltdown like moms do. Oh, man, have I seen some moms have some meltdowns in their day. There's something about moms that are so wonderful. And then there's certain things that when you bring out the, the mama bear in them, oh, my God, you better stand back. I'd know better than to get between a mama and her bear or little cub. Yeah, yeah. I am way too smart for that. Yeah, take him home. Deal with him at home. I don't even want, don't let me see. Because I don't want to have to call Child Protection Services. Just get him out of here before you get, get him out of here. Get him out of here. She's scolding him. She is ripping him. And we have been worried sick. And she's a Jewish mother too. You know, they really do know how to lay a guilt trip on you. Oh, son, you have tormented us and you have, you have made us so angry and I could just spit right now. And, and Jesus said to them, now listen to this. Why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house? Consumed with him? See, the kids were just thinking like, how can I use this against my mom and dad? But here's the thing. If you're not consumed with your assignment probably should be quiet and go home. But when you know your assignment and you know your calling and you know what it is you're supposed to be about. I like the King James in this too because the King James really puts it in concise words too. It says, don't you know I, was, I am supposed to be about my father's business? That's how it's worded in the King James. Don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? I like it. I like this, this wording too in the passion. I'm here in my father's house, consumed with him. This is the great need right now among young and old alike that we recapture our assignment and get planted in the father's house and get consumed with him because it's those who are consumed with him that will not be consumed by the world and the, the snares of the evil one and even your own flesh which will betray you, lie to you, lead you down a dead end road and a cul-de-sac. And when you get there, you'll say, how did I get here? Because you were not consumed with him. And if you're not consumed with him, the very things of this earth will draw you out of of your assignment and ultimately will be your downfall. I didn't think y'all shout over that. But see, what we're looking at too is we're looking at a, a church that's in crisis right now. Can I tell you from, a, from the heart of a pastor who's been in this for 30 years or more, more, okay, more. 40, don't say that. 
Four, has it been 40 years? Friday was 44 with you. Well, I, I am thrilled. I actually, I'm, I'm amazed that she has hung in there with me. Because I have, led, I have led us down paths that have led us into serious crisis because I wasn't clear about my assignment. Now, if a, tell me, if a 12-year-old can know their assignment and be not deterred from the left or the right, Jesus, from this time, this 12-year-old who, this is the only thing that's in the New Testament that concerns the life of Jesus until you hear from him again when he is 30 years old and walks out into the wilderness to John the Baptist to be baptized again, uh, to be baptized of him to launch his public ministry. So there's, you, you hear what I'm saying today? Don't you find it interesting that there's only one, one Example of Jesus' life from his birth to his 30-year launch when he was 30 years old of his public launch of his ministry. And it was this when he was 12 years old. And it was put there to tell you, look, some of you have forgotten to go after God and get your assignment. Some of you need to start running. Yes, I said running because you're running a little behind. The train is leaving the station. You can't take this lackadaisical anymore. The church is in crisis because we have become complacent and indifferent about our our situations and our circumstances and our place in the culture. And it's time for the church to get up and get running because we got to catch up to where God is calling us and put us and set us up for. And when you walk into your mountain of your assignment, God is on that mountain waiting for you. See, here's the, here's the problem. I got to say this. Some of you are, are so preoccupied with the opposition that you're facing. Do you know that these, these things that come are important tests that are meant to qualify you for your mountain and taking you? and fulfilling your assignment. Think about this. I know this is preached a lot, but I, I, don't know, I don't know that you hear it from this perspective before. What good would it have done if David would have saw him slaying a lion as just something that happened? Or a bear that came to eat the lambs, and he just said, ah, and it's just one lamb, I got hundreds. What happened if he would have been so spiritually caught up in the day that he was over there singing a song when he should have been guarding the sheep? I know in our circles, you know, it's all about the spirituality, and we get, I and mean, thank God, we, we definitely need spirituality. I'm, you got to hear me, you got to hear what I'm saying. But some of us are so heavenly minded, we're not, we're not carrying the earthly calling and the earthly responsibility because somehow we think Jesus is just going to fix it. 
But the reason Jesus was going to take care of that little flock is because David was going to rise up in his assignment. And his assignment for that time was to guard the flock. And when he came against the lion and the bear, he was fulfilling a little assignment, just a little assignment that was going to quali him, qualify him for the next assignment. Because one day when he would walk out and he would see Goliath and he'd say, wait a minute, it's Goliath. I need to go fast and pray. What we need to do is call a 24-hour prayer chain. David said, I have been brought here today for this very purpose. His brother said, you're an arrogant little jerk. David said, no, I watched my father's sheep, and in the wilderness a lion came, and I killed the lion. And in a bear came, and I killed the bear. And so will this uncircumcised Philistine be, whom God, listen to me, his faith was such because of his walk with God that had already precipitated days of communing with God. So he didn't have to call a prayer meeting. He didn't have to fast. And he didn't have to, to get some help from somebody else and get a word from God. He already had a word from God. He had already heard from God about who he was and his identity and his calling. And he said, let me add him. And they said, well, okay, if you're going to do that, then let us help you out. And they brought him Saul's armor. And they said, here, put this on. And David said, this don't fit too good because you can't take your assignment with someone else's stuff. And what you have to do is go with what God has equipped you with, what he has put in you, and be at, be at ease and comfort and know that God brought me here for such a time as this, and he put in me what he needed to put in me. And when I stand before my giant, instead of me fearing, I have faith that God is going to deliver me from his hand. And the giant itself began to mock him. He began to make fun of him. He said, you come out out to me with a slingshot and I'm going to feed you to the crows. And David said this day you're going to be sorry you ever walked the earth because God's going to deliver you into my hand. And he took one stone. I knew he had five stones. You go, why did he think he had five stones? Why? Because he thought if he'd miss he'd have another stone. No. You know why he had five stones? Because Goliath had four brothers. Read it. And see, once you, once you start, you better be committed to finish. Oh, see, that's a, that's a big part of this, too, because many of you take the right step, but you're not committed to finish what you started. And you always keep plan B. Well, if something happens, I always got plan B. David took one stone, loaded it. Think about it. He had an area this big. This is the, all that was not protected. This was all that was not protected in the giant's armor. Do you think David was that good of a shot? I don't. But I think God is that good of a God. <laughs> 
Oh, I know some of y'all thinking, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. What you ought to be saying is, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I can just see David going, oh, Lord, if, if, if you ever was with me, Lord, I need you now. Hallelujah. God, if you ever directed this, you need to direct this, God, because all I'm going to do, if I'm just going to nick him and make him mad, what am I going to do? God, I need you. And you see, I don't want to nick the devil. I want him brought down. I don't want to just get him ticked off. I want his work to end. I want him stopped. I want him to let go of what God has released into my life. How about you today? David let it go and man, that thing just went like it was a missile, like it was a, a smart bomb. And boom, and the giant falls and David takes his own sword I love it. Take this, devil. And then all of a sudden, Israel gets brave. And it says they routed the Philistines, them cowards, along with Saul, their leader, hiding up in the hills, get emboldened because a 15-year-old took on his assignment and said, God is with me. And if God be with me, who then can be against me? Folks, that's, that's the whole message of Christmas. We need to take back all this junk we're buying, our, all this electronic. Buy your kids a slingshot and give them five stones. <laughs> Did I say that? You know what I'm saying? It's time we gather our families together. The Sunday before I left for my sabbatical, I preached a message to you about how the, the fathers were to bless their sons and their daughters. I, I left something here that I believe God was rolling over, and I don't know. I, I, I know you just, you, you, have to, you, you just have to keep working some things and working some things and working some things. John told me on the way in to, this morning, he, he pulled me aside. He said, you know, he said, I've been calling my kids, all of my kids. He's got a house full of kids, too. He says, I call them every week, and I bless them. And I go, how's that working out for you? He goes, everything I'm blessing them with is coming back to me. See, that's the thing. Once you start go climbing your mountain, you take on your assignment, and you commit to finish it. Because was, was David done when he killed Goliath? Oh, not even. Because God even had bigger and better things for David. And he would walk in to a throne one day, and he would sit on a throne that was prepared for him, and it was assignment for him. And his, his people would sing their, the, the praises, and they would say, Saul has slain his thousands. Oh, but David... He has slain his ten thousands. 
Some of you are feeling pretty weak and pretty defeated and pretty alone and pretty much a failure because you have had a hard time walking into your calling. And when, it, when the Goliath has stood in front of you, you tried to pray and say, God, get Goliath. I don't know why Goliath is irritating me. I don't know why Goliath is even here in my life. God, would you please do something with Goliath? And God's already given you what's in your hand to deal with Goliath. And let me, can I just tell you something? It's the word in your mouth. And what you need to understand is by taking care of your Goliath and not being intimidated or put in fear, when you take care of your Goliath, it's the setup for the entire outworking of God's purpose and plan in your life. But you've got to take care of Goliath before you get to the throne. I need you to bow your heads with me right now because I just felt the Holy Spirit drop like a bomb on some hearts right there. Because while you've been, while you've been thinking, God, I need you to get rid of Goliath, God, through the Holy Spirit, is giving you this challenge to kill your Goliath. Listen to me. Your Goliath is probably not a nine-foot-tall man. Listen to me. Your Goliath could be an addiction. Your Goliath could be a relationship that you need to walk away from. Your Goliath may be your own flesh that you need to overcome and say, God, you have given me power to say no. For the grace of God appears to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness, saying no to ungodliness... We could live above corruption and fear. Your giant may be the irresponsibility you've walked in because you haven't been faithful to carry out your, your true faith in Christ. You, in other words, I love Jesus, but then you're trying to work your way through cheating and shortcuts and a lack of integrity, lying, immorality, trying to figure out a way to get what I want and still hold on to God. Let me tell you, the only way you defeat the Goliath is you have to fully surrender to your assignment and say, God, I put my life in your hands. I put my life in your hands. I put my life in your hands. And I realize now, God, from a very early age, you've had your hand on me. Can you just, with your head bowed, think about it. Think about how God had his hand on you when you didn't even know it. Think about how God watched over you and protected you when you were acting stupid. I'm amazed when I think back at how my life was spared in so many situations when I didn't even have sense enough to know how dangerous my life was being placed in situations that I didn't even understand because I did not know Jesus. But God sustained me. God walked me through it because one day he would realize I would go up to that mountain and he would open my heart and I would find Jesus. Not find a ritual, not find a, a religion. I would find Jesus 
And when I found Jesus, he would help me get about my father's business. So, Father, we bow right now, right in this moment, in this time, even on this Sunday, December 9th, 2018, there's old people, there's young people, there's, there's millennials in this room right here, right now. But it's not the age that matters, it's the realization of are we walking out our calling, our assignment. Do I know what my father's business is? Am I consumed with it? I ask you, God, to forgive us for our complacency and, and our, our, our apathy and and the fact that we've taken it for granted. And all the while, the enemy, like a Goliath, is taunting us and taunting us and taunting us and calling us out. And we have no answer for him, so we hide. We hide in the hills. We hide behind things. We hide in tents of our own making. We hide in our works and hide in our own, our own hopefully our own goodness. But God, today I'm asking you to call us out into the bright sunlight of your love. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to speak to hearts right here, right now, today, that there are those who today need to repent and come back to you and say, I left Jesus somewhere. I want to come back. I need to come back. I need to come back for Jesus. Those parents had to acknowledge, Lord God, that they had left Jesus somewhere. That was humiliating. Some probably scoffed and said, well, what are they doing? But they didn't care what people thought. Their passion was, I've got to go find Jesus. And they found him where he always is, with the Father, about the Father's business, consumed by him. And those who love you, Lord, those who follow you, are going to carry that same heart. So while your heads are bowed, my invitation to you today, are you missing something? Have, have you been missing something? Do you sense there's something missing? I don't care if you've been around church for 30 years. Are you missing something? Are you missing something? Oh, I've been doing some good things, Pastor Mike, for most of my life. I, I'm not talking about doing some good things. I'm talking about knowing your assignment, fulfilling your calling, and being consumed by him. You know the difference. That when you have been consumed by him, what that represents to you. And the burning and yearning desire of your heart. So with your heads bowed, I'm asking today, if you have been missing Jesus, and you want to find a fresh commitment and a fresh surrender to be consumed by him, then I want to invite you to come to this altar. Yes, right in front of all these people, I want to invite you to step out, stand up, step into the aisle, walk down to the front and say, I can't leave here today. I will not leave here today without Jesus. I will not play these religious games anymore. I will not play church anymore. I will not pretend I will not do this. I want to be consumed by him. I want to be consumed by him. I want, I've got to be consumed by him.
Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.